Hello, and welcome to The Smile Project, finding your true joy. I am so excited today because I have a very special guest. Um, I have my good friend here with us today. Her name is Jamie Jitt. Jamie is a licensed professional clinical counselor with Mosaic Counseling. And Jamie, we're just so excited to have you today. Thank you, Janet. It's great to be here with you. So I just want to start by um, just having you kind of share just a little bit about what you do, kind of who you are um, in a professional setting, and then we'll talk about kind of your personal life and how you incorporate those two things together. Sure. Okay. So I have been a counselor for about seven years. That was a second career for me, and I went back to school because I just knew there was something else that I was supposed to do. And it's funny because it all sort of seemed to fall together. As soon as I received my training, I thought, why did I not do this before? So I have been in private practice for three years and I work predominantly with women. I love working with women and also with teenage girls. And it's really a joy to get to be part of a healing journey for people in their lives. I love that. And we share that in common. We both kind of we're late bloomers, I guess you could call that. We went back to school kind of later in life and took on the the challenges that came with that, but also great reward. Um, and you just kind of said that, you know, I feel like um, there were so much, so many questions when I first went back to school or when I was thinking about that. And then on this side of it, I'm like, oh, that's exactly what God wanted me to do. This is exactly where God wanted me to be. Is that kind of, do you feel that way too? Yes. Very, very similar. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. So you said that you talk or you work a lot with women um, and you know, so kind of on the podcast, we talk a lot about um, like positive self-talk and like um, the, I think the voices in your head that are sometimes negative. And so kind of as you're working with women, what are kind of the biggest things that you're seeing um, women kind of struggling with or dealing with on a regular basis? Sure. Uh, You definitely see those things, the negative self-talk and comparison. Also, I think a lot of loneliness and people just not having the supports in in their lives that make them feel empowered. And um, I think that that's a really big thing. Uh, And of course, a lot of people just really struggle with anxiety and depression. You know, those numbers seem to just be on the rise. So those are a lot of the common things that I see in my practice. What kind of things do you work with women on? Like what kind of techniques, strategies, what what kind of things are you, you know, if I'm your client and I'm coming in and saying, you know, I'm really alone. I think I heard a statistic this week about more people, you know, we're more well-connected this now than we ever have been before, but we feel more lonely. So why is that happening? And what what are we doing? What are you helping these women do? I think that a lot of people may have more number connections, but they're more surface level than they used to be. So I think that that's one of the reasons that people feel lonely. And in this social media world, there's a sense of you can be connected at all times, but that doesn't mean that you're seen or actually known. And I think everybody has the desire to be seen and known. And so if you are making your way through the world, not really feeling seen, that's just a really lonely place to be in. Mm -hmm. And that can happen for people who are single or married, 
you know, it happens for women in all different stages of their life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot of different factors. The lens that I take is primarily through a couple of areas with attachment and trauma. So I look at, at you know, what things have hindered you in your life, what things have made you come to these negative core beliefs about yourself that have maybe kept you stuck and that have exacerbated things like depression and anxiety in their lives. I think that loneliness, I kind of feel like I went through a season of that um, when I was in school and um, kind of away from my family. And I think um, that it was the disconnect. Like you, you know, I was so focused on these other things that I needed to be doing that I kind of forgot the connection, Mm -hmm. making those like in-depth connections with people and like being in community, being in a Bible study, being in a small group, being in a, you know, those kind of things. Um, What kind of, you know, uh, tools or how are you helping to equip women to kind of fight this? Sure. So when it comes to things like anxiety and depression, there are a lot of skills that people just haven't learned along the way. So I love the fact that anybody can change because anybody can learn a new skill and grow in it and develop that. So a lot of that tends to be um, developing their voice and developing confidence in themselves to be able to feel like they are worthy of more connection in their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a lot of uh, mindfulness because I think think that we're so busy and we're so caught up in all these different things that are vying for our attention. So slowing down and seeing what you're experiencing, what you notice in the present moment is a really good way for people to feel a little bit more grounded too. Mm-hmm. So those are just a couple of the things. And of course, you get into just learning people's stories and finding out you know, the things that have come up for them where maybe they just got stuck. And then you kind of get to empower them that that story doesn't have to be this story that they live anymore, that they get to make choices and that they can develop new stories and Mm -hmm. and that there's a lot of hope in that. I think that's a great comment. You can create new stories. You know, I once heard someone say, this isn't the end of your story. Keep reading. You know, because I feel like you're like, this is all I'm going to be. This is all I'm ever going to be. This is all I'm ever going to feel. Um, And I think that's really the enemy telling you that you're alone. You're the only one who's ever felt this way and you can't get out of it. And this is the end. And instead, we need to kind of keep keep reading, keep writing our own story. Yes, definitely. And it's a privilege to get to be that person that Mm. is able to help people see the light come back, you know, when they're living in this foggy, dim place. It's really neat to see people kind of coming back to um, them themselves. Yeah. When you talked a little bit about kind of reinventing yourself and going back to school and doing something different, did you ever feel like you had a place like that or a time when you felt kind of stuck that you can kind of share kind of your, your experience in that? I don't know that I would say stuck exactly, but I did lose my mom when I was in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was a time for me that had a lot of grief because we were very, very close. And it was hard to see what would come next that would replace that grief because I didn't picture, you know, my adulthood without her. Uh, so that was a actually a time that I sought counseling for myself. And that was really, really helpful to learn what grief looks like and that the things I was experiencing were actually normal within the framework of grief. So that, that was an experience for me that was very, very helpful to be able to say, 
there's more that's going to be coming, you know, and being able to trust in God that that wasn't going to be the only thing in my story. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you go back to that a lot, losing your mom, like in, you know, experiences that you have on a regular basis? I think I do. I I think all the time about the grandmother that she would be Mm -hmm. to my girls. Uh, So yeah, she's always with me. And there's that sense of some days are like, wow, she's, wish she was here. Mm -hmm. I wish that I could share this with her. I wish I could ask her this question. I never asked her about this. And I wonder what that was like in her life. Right. Do you feel like that? So I'm going to ask you a little bit about your personal life. And I know a lot of your story. But so I want you to answer this question. And then you talk about kind of your kids and that kind of thing. But I would think that as a mom who um, doesn't have her mom, that that maybe puts even more pressure on you to be like mom and grandma. Do you ever, does that make sense? Do you ever feel that or? Yeah, I think I compare myself because I have really great memories of her as a mom and Hmm. super understanding and patient. And she was my biggest cheerleader. And I think sometimes I feel that sense of, what if I'm messing this up and I'm not the big cheerleader the way my mom was for me. Right. Yeah. I totally get that. So tell me a little bit about your family. So I know you've got two amazing daughters. Talk a little bit about that and what they're into. I've been married for almost 18 years to my husband, Andrew, and he has always been in ministry the entire time that we have known each other. So we are blessed to have two daughters, ages 11 and almost 14, and they are into lots of things now. My oldest is a piano player, and she did her first individual recital this last spring and it was really wonderful to see her growing in that and she loves to babysit we call her the toddler whisperer she's really (laughs) really good with young kids and it's neat seeing that love develop in her and that's fun and our younger daughter is a swimmer she is in her second year being a part of the Owensboro Marlins team and she got to go to state over the summer and she is got the swimming bug so now I'm a swim mom right there's always something right dance mom swim mom football mom whatever exactly do you um so I know your husband's always been in ministry so that requires him to be gone a lot to be out of town you both have very challenging careers I think so how does that look on a daily basis like what are the things that you kind of do to manage your household because he's not always around sure well I try to be careful about my schedule so we actually homeschool we've done homeschooling since the pandemic and year by year keep reevaluating and I have just really enjoyed being able to do that but it has been a little challenging with the schedule so Mm -hmm. I try to limit my time during the day so that I really only see clients for half days and then I work more in the evenings when the girls are into their activities some of the things that help when my husband's traveling I do things like more takeout than usual or we eat off of you know paper (laughs) dishes (laughs) so that I'm not doing dishes every night even if I've cooked Uh, And we try to just kind of do more girls things, try to find a a movie that's more of a girls movie that he might not want to watch so that it's more of a a fun kind of thing. Even though dad's away for a bit, we still have fun together, the girls. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit about mindfulness and kind of that's something that you really work with women on incorporating that into their healing journey. What 
what things do you do personally and what, you know, recommendations do you have for other women who are maybe trying to get unstuck, find their place? Mindfulness for me shows up in a lot of being aware in noticing when I'm rushing too much and I can feel that. So I remind myself that I need to take my own advice and I need to take the time to slow down and be in the present moment instead of worrying about the schedule coming up or what's Mm -hmm. going on tomorrow. You have to take that opportunity to slow down a little bit, check in with yourself. When you have anxiety about your schedule, you've got to check in with yourself and be able to interrupt that anxiety, all those worst case scenarios that come up for moms. Sometimes that's just normal as a mom and as a nurturer but you need to notice when it's becoming too much when you're placing too much weight on that fear or anxiety Mm -hmm. about your kids or your schedule or whatever it is and just remind yourself that you can take the time that you need to slow down that you don't have to be last in the equation even though you're a busy mom you can take time for yourself you can do things that really renew your own energy So I make time to do things like baking and reading because those are two things that I feel like help renew me. And that's different for other people. But self-care in the sense of more than just going and getting your nails done or (laughs) taking time out for a massage, it's important to be able to know those things that really give you energy again Mm -hmm. because we can get really drained. And we have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. I think that self-care kind of you're right like getting your nails and that may be somebody's great self-care and that's wonderful um but for me it doesn't really give me a lot of energy so what I'm looking for when I'm doing like something mindful is that I want to like get my energy back you know to feel like okay this this um rejuvenates me this energizes me I um I haven't run in a couple months and I went out yesterday for the first time probably since August first of August and um so so several months and um just did a quick easy run and I was like I forgot how like clear my head gets um on a run like that do you have experiences like that tell me sure for me it's more I get lost in a novel and then that helps me kind of stay away from some of the heaviness of some of my client sessions I need to kind of go into some pretend world and (laughs) some pretend character and that is something where I feel like that's a little more relaxing to me but I totally know what you mean that sense of just being able to kind of leave behind all the things that you were stressing about Yeah. And don't you feel like when that happens, like all of the, because I think there's like a lot of mumbo, mumbo jumbo in your head, you know, and there's all these, you know, we always talk about women having like a spaghetti brain, right? Like that we have so many things happening in our brain. It's like a plate of spaghetti. Um, And so everything is just entangled and wrapped up and that kind of thing. And I think when there's so many things like that, sometimes it's overwhelming to make a decision or to move forward or to go to the next thing. Um, that sometimes you need to find some, some white space, some clarity. And I think that sometimes happens with the, the mindfulness piece that you're talking about. Definitely. And there can be that indecision. And sometimes you have to remind yourself that making a decision and changing your mind is okay too. I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as women to make the best decisions all the time because every decision is so important. But in reality, most things you can change your mind about. Right. And then you don't have to take on that pressure. That's almost like a 
stereotype you know women woman makes changes her mind 50,000 times or whatever (laughs) right like I think we've kind of been put in a box about that and it's like it's not a good thing Mm -hmm. and so I think you know sometimes we're trying to be like oh I'm super strong and super professional and like I'm gonna make this decision I'm gonna stick with it but it's okay not to in reality if you stick to it and it doesn't feel right to you you're not going to feel good and right. therefore you're not going to do your best work right so if shifting something and making a change is what's going to allow you to enjoy your work more mm-hmm. or to serve people better then why wouldn't we do that right Welcome to the Dental Minute. So I wanted to talk a little bit about a topic that's come up several times in my practice. I've had some patients who over COVID started some bad habits and they've kind of continued to increase the amount of decay or cavities that we're seeing. One of the things is flavored water or flavored um, packets that go into your water. Um, So you know, most of us think that, well, if I'm drinking water, that's a really good thing. But often the flavoring can decrease the pH, increase the acidity of the water that you're drinking. So what that does is it just, um, because of the increased acidity, it just allows a breeding ground for bacteria and that can actually increase decay. So plain water is best. Um, But if you're using flavored drink packets, that's fine. Just use them sparingly. Not something that I want you to sip on all day long, every single day. Um, At least alternate those with just plain water. And that'll really help keep the pH in your mouth very basic um, so that we have the least risk for decay. This is Dr. Janet Rowland, and this has been the Dental Minute. Let's get back to the show. You talked about reading a novel. What kind of things do you read? I do read novels for escape, but also being a therapist, I always have a stack of books that are more (laughs) maybe in the category of self-help or overcoming your past or something like that. Right. I've read a couple of books recently that I think have been really good for women. Yeah. So there's a, a book on burnout. Mm-hmm. And that has been um, just really amazing. It's written by twin sisters. Wow. And they have very different careers, but they wrote this book together in a way that is really helpful. They talk about the human giver syndrome for women that you almost are just, it's modeled and you you just get this impression that your job as a woman is to give and give and give and give and give. Right. So that's been a really, a really good book. That's written by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. Mm-hmm. And I had not heard of, of them before. So I can't remember who recommended that book to me, but I started telling everybody about it. I loved it. <laughs> I think that's right. You know, I think you give away pieces of yourself and you forget that like you have to keep a little bit for yourself. Otherwise, you're there's nothing left of you. And so, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Definitely. Another book I've really enjoyed is called The Cost of Control by Sharon Miller. It's a very insightful book about how we crave control mm-hmm. and how really all that happens in that is that we just end up creating a lot more anxiety for ourselves by falsely thinking that we can control things. I totally can appreciate that. Yeah, controlling every single moment of our child's lives and 
every experience and yeah I mean I mean I think so I've got a daughter who's in college and I'm still like oh I really want to call her professor and tell them this <laughs> and I've you know I've really held myself back from doing any of that and I'll ask I'll say do you want me to do you want me to call about this for you do you want me to and she's like, troll that we feel like if we can control every single thing that would be better yeah I don't know somehow though when we're doing that all we're doing is not focusing on the present moment we're we're getting too far into the future and we can't predict into the future how we're going to respond so say that terrible thing happens but you haven't been able to forecast that you actually are going to become really resilient in that process and that some strengths are going to show up in your life that helped you handle that situation and so when we're thinking worst case scenario we aren't thinking about how we're actually going to become equipped and we might handle that so well that it becomes a part of our story and something that that we need moving forward instead we just stay in the fear of it so i think it's really important to notice that we can't predict those things in the future but we just have to trust that we're going to have what we need Mm -hmm. in those times when the trials come i love that yeah that's going to be on my list um, so you talk a little bit about like control and, and, um, so talk a little bit as we kind of move into the holiday season and kind of a really stressful time, um, you know, um, even into the new year, I always even think, um, kind of February, you know, we end up in Valentine's day and there's some expectations there. Like, so this whole like next quarter of the year or two quarters of the year, kind of how do you um what how do you help women kind of navigate that or what are some tools that you've used to help navigate through that season sure i think the holidays can be really tricky and one of the things that women need to do around that time is give themselves permission to set boundaries around their time and their energy and particularly if you have maybe some family dynamics that come up at holidays, it's important that you know how to set a boundary that is necessary for yourself. And so sometimes just things like being asked a question that you're not sure you really want to engage in at that holiday (laughs) function, you can just say something like, you know, today is really all about spending time with family. Let's just really enjoy the things that we have in common, or let's look at some family pictures and go down memory lane. So there's ways that you can protect yourself when you have family members who are trying to bring up things that you know are going to be points of disagreement and things that you think, oh, it's going to get so tense now and this is going to ruin the whole day. There's ways that you can utilize boundaries to help direct those situations, not in a control way, but in a way that's taking care of yourself so that you're going to enjoy that holiday too. And I think it's important to also know when you're getting to the end of your rope and to ask for help. So if the holidays are a really difficult time for you and a lot of grief or things come up that are difficult more than other periods in your year, it's important to lean into your support system. And if you don't have a support system, it's important to seek counseling because you need to have those supports, Mm -hmm. especially around the holidays. And when you feel like things are, are getting to be too difficult, I think it's really important to know when it's time to ask for help. I think even the surface level chaos that we kind of create you know I think in my head like I can remember wanting every Christmas morning to look 
a certain way right out of a postcard and my kids were happy and they laughed and played with their toys all day long and it was really you know and then you know there's tears or they didn't want it or whatever you know things are broken or now they're you know you forgot the milk or whatever I think even those surface level things are really um kind of can cause some stress and anxiety. Do you have any advice for kind of dealing with those kind of things? Sure. I think a lot of those expectations that we have on ourselves, we just need to realize it's more important to be realistic. Mm. Nobody has a perfect holiday and you can't you can't make everything perfect for everybody. And it takes away some of the enjoyment of the day if you're so focused on is this postcard worthy? Is right. everybody happy? So I think it's important to schedule some time for yourself to decompress press a little bit Mm -hmm. to check in with yourself to say, am I putting too much pressure on myself here? And what would maybe a good enough holiday look like? What what would a good Mm -hmm. enough version of me look like instead of expecting yourself to make everything perfect or to be perfect? I've read or listened to I was listening to a book yesterday and the author said, um, it's not that they were talking about social media. And he said, it's not that they have a better life. It's that they have a better editor. And I was like, oh, I love that. Yes. Someone else is editing their pictures. That's awesome. <laughs> no, I thought it was really good. So you're working mom, you are in ministry, you homeschool. Um, you have all these other hats that you wear. What's the most important advice that you can give women who are in super busy roles like you and wear a lot of hats, juggling a lot of things, but they still are looking for peace. Sure. I think first of all, just knowing you don't have to be perfect. You know, sometimes people feel like if they're wearing two or three hats, that they have to do all of those things perfectly. And in reality, you can do those things very well but without the pressure that you put on yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for women to make sure that they aren't the last name on the list. You aren't going to be able to feel fulfilled in your life and these different things that you're doing if you are always distracted or you're always concerned that you've dropped the ball on something. And when you can actually put some time in the schedule, and I tell people, just schedule it. Just literally write it on the schedule like you would any other appointment that you're taking your kids to or Mm -hmm. that you're doing for work. You have to have some schedule time in there for you, and it's important to refill your tank there. And lean into other people. It really is okay to ask for help and it's really important to realize that being an island is is really not the goal that anybody wants to have Mm -hmm. you really want to be able to build some kind of support and connection because you want to receive that and you want to give it to others as well I think that's a great point that you said ask for help I think we often feel like we should be able to do it all on our own but as a person who will say can I help you I want someone to say yes, here's what you can do. Here's how you can help me. Can you bring me a meal? Can you pray for me? Whatever. That's rewarding to me as much as it is helpful for the person who's asking. I think. Absolutely. I totally agree. I know I've talked with women sometimes who might, they might have something coming up that's pretty major. And I say, well, who have you, who have you told and who yeah. might help you? Well, I'm not good at asking for help. Right. Okay. 
well, then what's going to happen if you don't ask for any help? You're right. going to feel really isolated and alone in it. And what about if you weren't the one in that situation? What if you were the one that was asked, hey, could you bring a meal? Or hey, could you check in on my family? You would be so honored to do that. You right. would feel like, wow, they thought of me. They think that I'll help. And it's it's such a nice thing to be asked to help. And so sometimes we forget that it's really a good thing it, it, all, all the way around. And I think especially for women, like we really, because we're a little more nurturing and um, kind of we, I always say women are all heart, um, that we need that connection. We need that support more than, you know, more than other people, I think. So even more than men, I think. I think we need that in a way that's unique and special. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we always want that connection mm-hmm. and we feel better when we have that. Yeah, I think so too. Jamie, what else on your list? Anything else that you want to share? Oh, gosh. What else do I want to share? I think the the only other thing that kind of strikes me is that I think you need to know the things that work best for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just an important thing for people to take the time to figure out. So you mentioned running and mm-hmm. some people are going, I am not a runner. Right. And that is okay. Right. Um, but I love that that is a great thing for you. And I know that movement is wonderful. It's part of what helps helps people, you know, get things out that Mm -hmm. maybe are stuck so I think it's just important for people to know the things that work the best for them and that you can you can do what you need to in your own pace but just be making sure that you're checking in with yourself and that you're doing the things that actually bring you joy and that you are connected in your own life and present in your own life Mm -hmm. and if you're finding that that's really difficult to do then you know, maybe write that out, journal that out. Why is it so hard to feel present in my own life right now? And that can be a helpful thing just to assess and see, okay, something is missing. Because I think for a lot of women, that can be very difficult to just feel like they're on autopilot and they're doing all these things and maybe not actually being able to figure out what it is that's that's missing. And I do think that loneliness piece comes in a lot. So if there are lonely listeners out there, please just know that that, that will be a big uh, change for you to maybe have to get out of your comfort zone and seek some community a little bit, but it will it will pay off and it will be something that will really lift your spirit and help you feel more connected in your own life. Do you, you talk a little bit about journaling. Is that a practice that you incorporate or do you encourage women to do that? Kind of how do you talk about yes, that? Yes, both for sure. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is really great is to journal with a self-compassionate prompt because so many women are really, really hard on themselves. So maybe journal as if you were telling your friend um, something that they need, but really you're, you're looking at yourself the same way that you would a friend, you know, you get all kinds of grace to a friend, or you would understand when they're going through something difficult, you're able to, to offer that understanding to them. But when it's you, it's really hard to offer that understanding and grace to yourself. So I do encourage people to maybe respond to whatever they've journaled out about the things that are stressing them out right now. And I ask them then to like respond back from a more compassionate stance, like, okay, what do you want to say to yourself about what you're going through right now, rather than just writing out, oh, these are all the stressors. What Mm -hmm. do you think you need from yourself right now? How could you help yourself just by taking that posture of self-compassion? 
I think that's right. I think that we, we're so much harder, the, the things that we say to ourselves than we would say to someone else. You know, I've um, had people that I've talked to about things like that, and I'm, I tell them one thing, and my husband will say, then why are you saying that to yourself? Like, that, it doesn't even make sense, because I think we are. It's like you hold yourself to this standard that can never be met. Absolutely. And I don't know where that comes from, but that is a shared humanity thing because I would say every woman that I've worked with (laughs) and most of my friends, I, you know, I know that we are just really our own worst critic. And I think that there is a lot of power in being able to change that dynamic for ourselves. Mm -hmm. There is a, an author who writes a lot about self-compassion and her name is Dr. Kristen Neff. And she has a website and she has several meditations and several other activities that are on her website. And I always encourage people to go and check that out when you're having a moment where you're really thinking down about yourself, or you're just, you're just not feeling like you can offer yourself a lot of grace, then let the professional on the website help you find that connection of how to do that. And I I like to say sometimes too, I know it's hard because you've looked at yourself with this really critical eye for a long time. But what could it look like if you just moved away from that stance, just two or three percent today, like if you could imagine what that might feel like for you to just just let some of that off. Just give away two or three percent of that critical spirit towards yourself. Mm-hmm. What might that look like? And then compounding that over time, if you're intentionally focusing on becoming more self-compassionate, then you might realize in a few months you are like halfway there. Right. You're not that harsh critic anymore. Yeah, and I think we we underestimate the power of like a little bit each day. You know, we underestimate baby steps. Just take one step towards that. Do one thing. And in two or three months, you think, I'm different. This feels different. Yes. And all your effort counts. I think sometimes people get discouraged because Mm -hmm. they learn a new skill and they think, oh, well, I know how to do this. Why didn't I do it when I needed it? (laughs) Well, that's okay. You're human. But you know what? You do have the skill and you keep working on it. And it's okay. You'll get another chance. You'll absolutely (laughs) get another chance. You can just say to yourself, it's okay. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm getting there. And I'm a little bit more self-compassionate than I was a couple days ago. Great. Yeah. That's a wonderful gift to give yourself. I think that's great. The um, We talked before we started about um, a trip you took um, to see some sweet animals. And I um, have found that when I act kind of childish, when I laugh and um, I'm silly, I saw some puppies this week that I got to play with and I don't ever play with puppies. I have my own dogs, but whatever. So I was at a, at a kennel and they have these sweet puppies and I'm just like, Oh, I'm like a kid again. Like I was just laughing and they were licking my face and kind of tell a little bit about that and kind of the power of laughter and being a child again. Yeah, absolutely. So I checked my girls on this field trip because I'm the worst at that. Like We're <laughs> in our fourth year of homeschooling and my kids, I think, they probably think I just totally lied when I said, <laughs> homeschooling's going to be great. We can go all these other places and do all these things. <laughs> uh, so I finally took them somewhere, and we went to Kentucky Down Under in Cave City, and we got to feed kangaroos and pet kangaroos, and they had this animal show, and the zookeeper was talking about this exotic bird and how she had bonded with him as her handler and how she was jealous of him <laughs> and if he was off of work for a day or two that she wouldn't eat for the other zookeepers and it was neat to me like my 
therapy brain went into all these places of her feeling abandoned and <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was it was just neat just to be out of my normal environment. You know, no clients yeah. that day, no mm-hmm. schoolwork that day. We were going on a road trip, and and it was it was fun to just be in a different place. And I think that love of learning is something I've always had, mm-hmm. and yet I don't connect to it often enough. I think that as professional women, you're so right. focused on what you have to do right. that it can be hard to give yourself permission to take some time off and just go be a kid and yeah. do something fun. Do something fun. That creates those memories yeah. and and makes those connections and that kind of thing. Yep. That's so great. yeah, I was excited. I finally got a field trip in. <laughs> so Jamie, if someone wants to connect with you, like if they've listened today and they're like, gosh, I really just would like to talk to someone. I would like to... Um, you know, maybe go on this journey. I think everybody needs to go to therapy or counseling or something. I just think like having a third party listen to you talk about yourself is so um, just rewarding. And it just gives you perspective that the people that you normally talk to don't have. So talking to somebody who's like your mom or your best friend, like those are great, but they just have a different perspective for you. And they may not ask you things or challenge you in ways Um, that somebody who's like this third party kind of removed from your regular social setting is. And I just think that is so valuable um, as women. So if somebody wanted to connect with you, how could they do that? Sure. Um, I actually try to do little groups throughout the year so that people who are not clients can still have an opportunity to touch base and maybe build some community so I, I would say reach out through the website if you were interested in counseling or even just connecting because that's a quicker way to, you know, be able to, to reach out. So that's just mosaiccounseling.me is the website, and I will be happy to respond. And, um, and even if I'm not able to be the right fit for that person's schedule, I would always like to help people connect. Okay. Jamie, we're so grateful that you're here today and just sharing a little bit of insight and kind of what you're seeing and hearing. I'm going to have you back on because I think we need to talk about like um, having a spouse that's out of the country a whole, whole lot and what that looks like and how other women might be um, working through maybe not exactly the same, but similar kind of relationships and and that kind of thing. So if you're up for that, we'll... Sure thing. We'll do this again. Absolutely. Thanks for listening today. I'm Dr. Janet Rowland on The Smile Project, finding your true joy. Subscribe to my podcast wherever you hear your favorite podcast. I hope you find your best smile this week.